Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. Oh, all right, let's talk about some fruit. All right. Get me wild up in another way. (laughs) 15 minutes into the the conversation, we will turn our attention to fruit, spice, and everything not nice. So I do feel like I should preface this for everybody listening with a big dose of people like what they like. You're allowed to like whatever beer you like. If you want to seek out hype beers, that's totally fine. Good for you, not for us. Don't take anything we say personally. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like there's means, going to be a lot of stuck mash talk on this yeah. episode. And just because a brewery is making some sort of purple or blue beer, like there's a certain limit where maybe it's not a beer. And if you like it, that's okay. But right. Just recognize maybe not all these things are beer, you know, I don't know. Malt beverage with natural flavoring. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we were coming up with an idea for our, uh, what we should talk about this for this episode. And um, I had just been having a text conversation with one of our friends about the uh, Harpoon Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, God. Beer that's coming out. So they, they've done this collab before. And I think in the past, it's just been a, like a coffee porter kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but this year, they're doing a Jelly Donut IPA and some, some, other, some other kind of like donut-based when when did this happen? Like like let me get on my old person rant here for let a second. Let me stick my mash. Let me like when I got into brewing, which really wasn't that long ago, people like 2011. Like fruit bombs didn't exist. Pastry stouts, like I mean those things, pastry stouts, whatever. A stout with a lot of adjuncts, yeah, it's fine, they existed. But like. You didn't just add a bunch of fruit and put it into the can and let things start exploding. Like, when did this start happening? When did this start being, like, an acceptable practice? Like, why can't you just ferment the goddamn sugar like you would in your work? <laughs> Seriously. I don't understand. Like, what what makes you think, like, this is a better product by dumping, like, a bunch of – all right. I have to back up. So, a lot of brewers do like to make fruit beers a lot of different ways, right? At, at pilot, I like to add the fruit in secondary. So primary fermentation has finished. There's still a little activity going on. Yeast is still in suspension. Yeast is still in the tank. We're still in the fermenter. The fruit goes in. Sanitized fruit goes in. And it ferments out. And then you get this really nice, like, natural sweet from the fruit. Not, like, extracty, syrupy tasting. But, like, natural sweet beer. And, like, in, then you can just get the fruit out like crash it and you pull everything out like you do normally like this isn't hard and then package it like normal beer and you don't have these problems like i don't i don't when did the switch happen when did (laughs) when did everyone go you know what fuck that that's too easy 
I'm going to go ahead and stick it in this can to see what happens. Like, when did that happen? Yeah, you know, I think it's pretty recent, but I think it's kind of makes sense as part of the natural evolution of somebody having a nice idea in craft beer and then just a bunch of, I I don't even know. That's a nice idea. A bunch of bros showing up being like, well, you know, if you like a creek, which is a fruit lambic with cherries added, then um, you will really like it when I just go get some, uh, what is the? Eat uh, some cherries. (laughs) Right. I'll just go buy the tube of orange juice concentrate and just Uh, dump that in a beer glass and then pour a little bit of beer over it and call it a fruited sour. No. No. <laughs> it's okay to use purees, like in my opinion, like I hate extracts. I, I think when you put an extract in a beer, it tastes like an extract. I yes. don't think there's any way around it. Um, I think, I, I will take that back. I, I think the one time that I've had like an okay experience with extract, it was like on a mint side. It was like a mint, um, like, what do we do? A peppermint stout? Kind of like a Girl Scout cookie thin mm-hmm. mint? And we had a little bit. Of, was it? I guess it was extract. I don't know what else it would be. And we used like a drop. Yes. Yeah, I can agree yeah. with using spice or herb extracts. Yeah. I think to me, I think that's different from a fruit extract just because for a fruit lot of people. like popsicles. Right. For a lot of people, we're used to the extract flavor of spices. So something like a mint extract, we're used to using that. And it tastes better. But I agree with you that a fruit extract tastes artificial. And if you are using, if you, for whatever reason, you're using an extract instead of, you know, fresh, frozen, a puree, a concentrate with an extract one way to make it a little more complex is if you use a couple of different extracts and then maybe add a little bit of some sort of acid. So like lactic acid, citric yeah, acid, depending on what you're going for, even, for sure. yeah, even malic acid to get, because fruit, most fruit has a natural acidity to it. Yeah. That's part of why you use it because in a lot of well-made fruit beers, the acidity balances the sweetness rather than the bitterness balancing yeah. the sweetness. Mm-hmm. So with an extract, if that's what you're using, if you layer some different flavors together, you're going to get a more well-rounded flavor, but it's still not going to be the same yeah. as using, you know, a, an aseptically prepared puree or frozen fruit, something like yeah. that. And like, uh, uh, that's what happens when a lot of these breweries, a lot of our favorite breweries when we got into the beer world started to get bigger. So I think like for me, a really good example of that is Ballas Point um, Sculpin IPA. Was it Sculpin? Or maybe oh, they're yeah, like yeah. Great, yes. grapefruit Sculpin yes. maybe. Yes. And um, it started out so nice. And then I think they got bigger and just like started using extract. And now it, you could just taste the difference when that beer Yes. And I could be wrong. I could be talking out of my ass because they might have used extract from day one. I don't know. But for me, I remember drinking Sculpin IPA a lot and liking it. And then Grapefruit Sculpin came out and it was delicious. And then it just like Ballas Point got bigger over the years. And it just started, maybe my taste buds changed. But to me, it just started tasting like extract beer. 
And that happens because you can't. What are you gonna do? You're gonna peat like zest like one million grapefruits and put it in the boil, like. <laughs> right, right. No, I, and I think that is a very good point because in my head just now I was thinking, why on earth would somebody use an extract? But that's exactly when you would use it. Is mm-hmm. if your economies of scale are, yeah. you know, it doesn't make sense for you to buy fresh fruit or even zest. But yes, I agree with you. You said that, and like in my memory. I remember trying that, the grapefruit sculpin, and there was another beer. Um, it wasn't by Lagunitas. I don't remember who did it, but uh, maybe Sierra Nevada. Somebody had a beer that was like that also, that was either yeah. grapefruit or tangerine. Yeah. And I had one of those and was like, I will never have this again, because if you have a beer with the extract in it, like you... And sorry, everybody, trigger warning, this is just burp talk, but you burp that (laughs) extract all day long. I don't think I've ever noticed that, but I... Oh, my God. That's... I noticed it enough that I don't drink beers like that anymore. So I'm like, (laughs) no, I don't really feel like having tangerine burps for the rest of the day. So... But, yeah, so I'm just going to pull up our outline that you made. Thank you for doing that. Yes. So uh, Rachel and I had a text conversation about how we've been kind of meandering on our last couple of episodes. But what we would it's harder now that we're we're doing everything via Skype, because what we would typically do is go into the recording studio and spend a couple of minutes saying, "Okay, like we're going to talk about this, this and this. Yeah, I don't know why you do that via Skype. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But. We know but yeah, so we're here for uh, us, people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that it's going way back to the beginning, we ended up uh, deciding to talk about you know f- fruits, spices, and other things as a result of seeing these beers that are coming out that have you know there's a, a brewery in Atlanta that has beer that supposedly has supposedly has skittles and tricks in it but then it also has strawberry and pineapple and lactose and the strawberry the pineapple and the lactose are what's actually going to give it that flavor uh not not any kind of basically just like sucrose that's been added that's just going to the yeast is going to eat that first uh so if you're do you you know where they added the skittles and tricks they said i believe they said in the mash yeah. So, so what I is mean, that really you, doing, you know? Exactly. So say if you add anything to the mash or if you see, you know, pictures of people throwing stuff into the mash, the likelihood of that flavor surviving through fermentation is going to be very low. Yeah. And like I've seen some of these bigger breweries, not like huge, maybe like 15 barrel system. And they, it's full of donuts. Like the mm-hmm. mash time is full like what all you're doing is creating a, a problem for yourself when you're trying to <laughs> water and get the ward out and then get all this grain out. And then what are you going to feed all these donuts to the cows? That's not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> Again, oh. I will, I will point out you're allowed to like what you like everybody listening. So we're, <laughs> we're going to have a lot of uh, stuck mash talk on this, uh, but we certainly, understand. Yeah, we like, certainly don't begrudge anybody who wants to do that, but just beware with things like that. A lot of times it is for marketing purposes, but I think 
that also represents a good opportunity for a brewer is if you want to make something that tastes like tricks, you can back into those flavors and figure out hops that are good to, you know, be reminiscent of that. And also what kinds of flavors specifically are you looking for and adding that through something like a fruit addition? You know what? Now that I think about it, one of our listeners, um, his name's Jonathan. He's he's a home brewer and he's brought me some beers to try. And he made a, I believe it was a cream ale with like Fruit Loops. And he put the Fruit Loops. I, Jonathan, you know, comment on this episode and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believed he put them in the mash. Okay, I remember fruit, you've talked about this beer before. And it was a Fruit Loop cream ale and it's actually what it tasted like. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't bad by any means. It just, it tasted like a Fruit Loop cereal cream ale now i'll have him correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure he said he just did that in the mash so that's that's interesting because i really don't feel like now he also did a cream ale which is going to be pretty light and allow certain flavors to come through Mm -hmm. so you know i guess i can see that i i again go back to i think it's better to create the flavors rather than adding it because in my head I think okay well if you've added that say you're adding the cereal to your mash and again everybody's allowed to do what they want to do when it comes to brewing beer but those flavors that survive are more than likely artificial flavors that could probably survive nuclear war so (laughs) you know why not instead go with you know getting figuring out what the fruit loops taste like most of that is like citronol so it's yeah. it's citrus flavors so add those kinds of things and adjust your malt bill to get more of the cereal flavor and i think you can make a really great beer that way yeah yeah it's, it is interesting i wouldn't normally recommend putting anything in the mash except for malt and your adjuncts but like for me, my preferred me- for spices, my preferred addition would be Whirlpool. Yes. I think I think um, with spices, if you can taste the actual spice that you've added, like if you can pinpoint what that spice is, I think you probably use too much. That's very Belgian monk of you. Yeah. Well, less is more. <laughs> you can always add more if you want in fermentation. You know, you need to find a way to like sanitize it and add it, but. Um, Less is more, you know, and I don't like to boil them either. I think it brings out just some different flavors, just concentrates the flavors a little bit more. Yes, and that is a good point. So if you are going to add your spices to the boil, I, I think you you could add spices to the boil if, you know, to sanitize it. But you yeah. should add during the last few minutes because yes. you're going to lose aromatics And like you said, if it boils too long, you're going to get some tannins extracted from that. And there are some herbs and spices that aren't going to taste like what you think they are in the finished beer. And I know one of those definitely is lavender. And I know that Rachel has opinions about lavender. I like lavender. But if you're trying to use it in beer, you really don't want to boil it so I've used lavender in beer before and put it in um, I believe in the last maybe like last five minutes because lavender a lot of times will turn out very medicinal and not that Mm. lavender 
even a better reason to not use it. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good point. And the, the same is true also for fruit, going back to fruit additions, there are like cherries, raspberries. There's a reason why those have been used in beer for a very long time. It's because they, the flavor comes across, they lend a really nice acidity. They lend the color you think they're going to add. Yeah. And that particularly with something like raspberries, you really don't need very much to have a big impact. But there are other fruits that don't do very well in beer. And I know two of those are blueberries and strawberries. So first of all, if blueberries, you think it's going to turn the beer the color of a blueberry, but it really turns out like a pinkish purple, which is fine. Yeah. It's still a very pretty beer. But the blueberry flavor fades so quickly. And the same with strawberries, which yeah. makes me very sad because I, strawberries are probably my favorite fruit. And when I can find a strawberry beer, uh, basically, you just have to treat a strawberry beer the same way you would treat, say, uh, Hefeweizen. You know, it should be drank very quickly, very young. And yeah. not like not like chug, obviously. Well, but strawberries are super hard because, like, all the seeds in there, they just harvest so much bacteria. It's just so hard to get them mm-hmm. clean. And I've... Uh, I've I did one strawberry beer, but I ordered puree. Um, yes. Yeah. And and that's another thing too. When you're looking at the purees, a lot like Amaretti, for example, is what we get our uh, we get our blood orange puree from them for our mimosa goza. Mm-hmm. It's way more concentrated of a puree than other brands. So yes. like you have to, how concentrated is your puree that you're purchasing? So like, cause one thing I noticed, we were looking around. I'm like, well, why is this so much cheaper and like so much more amounts? Cause it's got a lot of other shit in it. Mm-hmm. like water and stuff yep. like that there's so a reason yeah you got to make sure you're you know what you're using and i think the most concentrated thing you can find is kind of the best that you can do because it is typically they're aseptic they've gone through all the treatment they need to you don't have to do anything you can add it right to secondary um so like we do different things like we use the puree for mimosa goza we don't treat it we add it right to secondary uh we got in the past we've done fresh raspberries and fresh blackberries that we bought locally mm-hmm. brought them into the brewery hand pureed them ourselves and sanitized them with candom tablets so there's a lot of ways you can sanitize your fruit i like to use candom tablets just because like i don't have space to freeze everything mm-hmm. um it's just easier to work with um not a big deal and uh they work so that's yeah what we do. And- Two things that I'll add to that that you had just said that are really good points is, one, if you're going to use actual fruit, like you're going to go buy fresh fruit, don't go to the grocery store. That's a big reason why, you know, buying local, buying seasonally is very important because whatever you buy in the grocery store is not fresh and it's not in its best condition. So, If like right I mean, now, uh, I've had know, peaches, plenty of success, but sure, you don't but, get the you don't get like like you can't find everything you want. You don't get the best selection, like you were saying. Right. So you know, right now, peaches and uh, pawpaws and I think blueberries are in season. Strawberries are. So if you're wanting to brew some sort of a fruit beer, depending on the size of your system, of course, I feel like if you're 
once you get to a certain size, you probably have like a fruit person you get your fruit from, but <laughs> yeah. go to the, go to the farmer's market and see yeah. what's there Buy as fresh and as local as you can, because that's going to be that the, the fruit is at the peak. Whereas, yeah. you know, at a grocery store, it's been picked right before it's peak. Mm-hmm. And another good option, if you can't get something like that is to buy frozen because it's basically the same thing. Like those fruits were harvested at the peak of like peak ripeness and then flash frozen. So that's a really great option too. And uh, the other thing that you had mentioned is using the Camden tablets instead of freezing. So if you do have the capacity, it's always great to freeze to yes, freeze your fresh fruit. <laughs> yeah. said, like fresh your freeze fruit or get um, it day of and use it right then. Yeah, but if you if when if you, you freeze the fruit, what happens is those cell walls rupture within the fruit. So it mm-hmm. makes all those juices and flavors a lot more accessible for when you put it in uh, into your beer. And it does not though it, it like freezing doesn't sanitize it. No, uh, not so fully. That's, right. It will a little bit, but not not what you want. You, you don't right. want to trust that. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, unless you're going for something kind of wild and funky. Yeah. Then yeah, maybe but... you would, but yeah, even with frozen fruit, you still need to sanitize it somehow. So like the Camden tablets or something like that are a good yeah. option. And even like stuff like um, when I worked at Hardywood and we would make gingerbread stout, like we, every, every single ingredient that went into gingerbread stout was fresh and like raw. So like the ginger, we actually went to the ginger farm and harvested it ourselves. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was cool. But you know, that, that was probably just like the first year, you know, when we were small right. and have time. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they also used local honey and honey went into secondary. So you can't just like dump honey into your fermenter. Like, it's going to have bacteria on it, or could. You don't know, right. like, what's on it. So you, they, we had to boil it, cool it down, because, you know, I don't want to add hot, and then add it in there. Um, okay. And and that was a lot of freaking work when you're dealing with 40-barrel fermenters, you know. And right. So honey, if you're going to add honey to your boil, that's fine. That's no big deal, because you're going to, like, boil it for a few minutes, and it's going to sanitize it. But if you're going to add it to fermentation... Same with spices, you know, mm-hmm. anything, same with anything, anything that goes in the boil is going to be sanitized. Now, typically people out there do put fruit in the boil. Um, it's not my preferred method. I mean, you can, I, I just think you get more flavor from the fruit uh, when you do it in secondary and just let those right. sh- sugars ferment out, but you could, um, cocoa nibs. That's something I like to do in the, um, boil or, you know, whirlpool really. Mm-hmm. There's some people that add like syrup, like Hershey syrup, or you could add or cocoa nibs in secondary. Again, you can do all those things. You just got to make sure your stuff is sanitized, you know. Right. And I've added I've added uh, Hershey syrup to a beer before, and the the good thing about that is it's like the fruit the fruit purees. I don't know why I'm having such trouble um, <laughs> talking. I, I am I okay? Are you okay? um but I've done that before and so the good thing about adding something like Hershey's syrup and talking about the syrup that's in the can is that it is also aseptic so you can just pop it open and pour it directly into your fermenter Uh, but that's not we're not talking about like the squeeze bottle (laughs) that's that's not aseptic no Uh, 
That goes but, in your mouth. Speed yeah. <laughs> um, another thing with spices is, is the same with fruit. You want to get fresh spices. So like whatever you buy at yeah. the grocery store is not going to be the best. You can still get some flavor from it, but I recommend going someplace um, like locally we have savory spice shop and their spices are typically fresher and you can also buy in the quantity that you need yeah. rather than getting, you know, a, a, like a four ounce jar of it. Mm-hmm. And then there are a few online retailers that do spices and let me, yes. So spice Walla is a spice group um, or a spice brand that is based out of Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, and it's woman owned. She has a lot of small batch spices. So if you want to say use coriander, you want to make sure you're using Indian coriander, not like European Moroccan coriander. So if you're, if you go to the grocery store, you're probably going to get European coriander, but with Indian coriander, it has that very nice citrus, you know, that really bright coriander flavor you expect. Whereas European and Moroccan or the European Moroccan, uh, you'll still get some of that flavor, but it's just not going to be as vibrant. Uh, So definitely if you're using spices, do, you know, do some research and find a retailer that has very fresh spices. Again, grocery store, fine. You're going to get a perfectly fine beer from it, but you're going to get a really, really good flavorful beer from using good quality fresh ingredients. Yeah, if you're uh, local in Charlotte, there's one lady that I've worked with in the past that owns a company called Spicen and Dyson, and okay. she she makes her own spice blends. She has a truck that she takes everywhere, and that's how I found her at a festival. Oh, her interesting. Spicen and Dyson truck. But yeah, I was just looking at her website. She's local to Charlotte, so stuff like that. You if you if you really want to get creative and dive in, you can find some pretty exotic stuff. I know personally I get so busy at the brewery and we do like to tend to um, not go crazy with our styles. So like most of goes, I use my coriander and sea salt. Like <laughs> I just go get it real quick down the store and that's okay. But if you want to like get artisanal with it, do some work when you're looking into your fruit and spice, like Jen said, you know, go to the farmer's market go to your your specialty spice stores because you're going to get a lot more options as well. Right. And you'll probably also get, I, I like with anything, if you go into a store where all they sell are spices, the people working there are going to be able to help you out mm-hmm. more so than, you know, at the, at the grocery store. And I know I've done that before where I went into savory and it was I believe it was right after I took the advanced Cicerone for the first time and I like I knew that I hadn't passed but I I realized I needed to be better with my flavors yeah and understanding more what you know when you say herbal what does that mean mm-hmm. and so I went into savory and I said okay like here's here's my deal and if I tell you that something has an herbal flavor, what comes to mind for you? And the one sales associate said, you know, I think of something like thyme, something like sage. And then she called over somebody else and said, what does herbal, if somebody says that something tastes herbal, 
what spices do you associate with that? And he was like, you know, I think of like thyme and rosemary. And so between like the three of us, we were like, okay, so we kind of, you know, narrowed it down to this is what people, when we're talking about herbal, this is Mm -hmm. kind of an herbal flavor. And I, you know, I ended up buying like a little bit of each one just to be able to go deeper than just saying this is herbal, saying this as time herbal notes so that's that's the kind of experience you can get at a specialty retailer and uh also again you just get i think a little bit more enthusiasm i can't imagine asking somebody like at harris Harris (laughs) yeah they would be like 60 year old kid like yeah (laughs) yeah he's like lady i don't know like all i know is after i stock all this stuff i get to go home so leave me alone (laughs) Also, if you're using spices, you do need to, like, crack them open. If you're using, like, a whole black, pe- black peppercorn, like, mm-hmm. you need to crack that that black, that pe- peppercorn open. So Yes, and as close as you can to, to using it. So, like, think of, like, going, you know, you're someplace with a pepper mill, and they're like, would you like fresh ground pepper? Say when. Like, that's, that's yeah. how fresh this, that it should be. So, obviously, you guys can't see this. Uh, outline that we have but at the bottom I spent quite a bit of time um, (laughs) on the brewing with a bunch of bullshit uh, (laughs) bullet point (laughs) with the formatting but um, I I know we've talked about like candy and cereal and one thing that I added that I wanted to talk about was randalizing (laughs) and I see I'm seeing the note that you added right now it's like 50 50 on the bullshit level yes so uh, it's a, a lot of times randalizing. Yeah. But what I think is really cool. So when we're talking about randalizing and I don't think that people do it as often anymore, it was kind of a, a trend for a while yeah. or I guess it's, a fad a pain in the butt to set up and maintain and get to work actually. Correct. Right. So yeah. uh, if you've, if you've been drinking craft beer, I would say for, let's say seven years. Yeah. You've probably fair. been somewhere a tap takeover or something where they have a Randall. So this is what, and this is also typically what, you know, like your aunt is going to send you on Facebook and share. <laughs> uh, Did you because, see this cool thing? Right, exactly. <laughs> and um, anybody who's a beer person understands what that's like to get the, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the helium beer. Thanks for sharing this again. Uh, but with a Randall, what we're doing is, let's say we have we have this beer that's made with tricks. So what you might see is in the Randall, the Randall's filled with tricks. And so it's uh, a device that's going to be between the tap and the glass, basically. And the beer is going to be run through it. So as you know, as you're doing that, then it's going to pick up those flavors. So it's going to be like very, very fresh kinds of flavors. So I know like Sour Patch Kids is usually, or at least used to be uh, one of the things that people like run their beer, randomize their beer through Sour Patch Kids. But one of the things that I think is very cool about that is just his origin story of being invented by Dogfish Head in like 2004 or yeah. something, and they called it Randall, the enamel, the enamel, enamel animal, which <laughs> yeah. is very difficult to say. Um, 
but it was something that they developed at Dogfish Head to get like a burst of fresh hop flavor yeah. in the beer. So they packed it full of hops and then ran the beer through it as it's being served. You get this really bright hop forward. Of course, Dogfish Head is known for, you know, they're like they're crazy IPAs and kind of extremes. So they started doing that. And then eventually it became a piece of equipment. Like Blickman made a Randall. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they called it the Rand. It is called a Randall and it is randallizing. Yeah. And it's named after this contraption that Dogfish had had called Randall the Enamel Animal. I feel like you can buy one on their website or like a Dogfish yes. Head one. It's like yeah, pretty can. common now. Yeah, you can buy one. And I want to say you can buy, they have like a mini version that you yeah. can use it. But yeah, so you can buy it on there. But I, I do think that that's a, just a cool thing that, you know, you guys just created it, gave it the silly name. And then it became known as, like now it's a verb. Yeah. You yeah. have to lie something. <laughs> that is pretty cool. But yeah, yeah no, I'm trying I, to remember I, the last I time like I saw wait. something vandalized. Oh, something. It's been a well, while. We did it a lot at Hardywood. It, like, so my first job at Capitol Hill House, when I was a beer buyer at one of the locations, I threw a dogfish head event where we had like 20 beers on draft and two of them were randalized. One was an IPA going through a randall of hops and then one was like chicory stout going through a randall of coffee beans. Okay. And it's it's cool, but the, the kind of crappy part about a randall is you have your that beer like probably isn't flowing through the Randall the whole time. You have moments where the beer is just sitting there mm-hmm. on those ingredients and really like whatever they are are extra soaking up whatever the ingredients is. Right. So if it's coffee beans or hops, probably not a big deal. But like when I worked at um Hardywood, God, we were doing a Randall like once a week or like every Saturday or Sunday and something like that. So it was really awful because it was it was one that the head brewer he made himself and it was great but it was just a lot to like put together and if you don't do it perfectly it's going to leak everywhere so yeah. it was like it took like an hour to set all this up and then you have to have different ingredients so like sometimes not everything works out the way you want it to you know so like what you know you put a bunch of fruit in there i think we did like strawberries blueberries and like pineapple one time for like 4th july or something like that and um, it just sits there and the fruit turns mm-hmm. mushy and it's not it's, it's like cool for like the first hour and then it's not cool anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's I, I agree with you. I feel like you want that first. Pint you want the first four off the Randall. You don't want anything else. <laughs> and then just got to a point where we're just like, you know what? This We're good. We don't need to do this anymore. Cause it's right. just a, it's just a gimmick that's only cool for a little bit of time, and then if if you put the right stuff in there, it can still look cool for the whole night. But that's it. I mean, you got to disassemble it and clean it, and it's gross, and it's actually really hard. Like Dogfish Head has something that they made, and if you buy that, it's probably easy to use. But like what we had was handmade, and you mm-hmm. have to like get the back pressure to be correct because you can't. You can't just have foamy beer pour. Like, what's the point? So it's like really, really difficult. Back to finishing this episode. So we have everything (laughs) wrapped up in a neat little package on fruit, spice, and everything not nice. Again, everyone is allowed to like what they like. So if you like the heavily fruited sours that actually still have puree left in them, um, that's fine. If you're 
A brewer, please don't add puree at packaging and cause exploding cans, which can be very dangerous for uh, your retailers as well as the people who purchase your beer. <laughs> yeah. And if you get one, take it back to the store, send it back to the brewery. Don't don't take that shit. Don't accept it. You say yes. no brewery, bad brewery, <laughs> bad. So, yeah, well, thank you, everyone, for listening and as always we appreciate your feedback we always love hearing from you and please give us a follow on social media at false bottom girls and again please take just a couple of minutes to give us a review thank you to everyone who has done that that helps more people learn about us and i guess we can finish with Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad or beer. Exactly. Or beer. <laughs> yes. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round. <laughs>